Sherlock Holmes in Lincoln's Gun by Scott McQuaid, produced by Pop-Up Theatre. As I stared out from the stagecoach window across the desolate landscape of New Mexico, I never felt so far from home. Not since my service during the Anglo-Zulu War three years ago had I felt so removed from my comfort zone. It was the summer of 1881, and I was en route through the rugged Wild West. It was certainly a stark contrast to Victorian London. The coach pulled into Bakerstown, a mining field which was like the ghost town of Dawson. As I gathered my things, I noticed a young boy taking particular interest in my leather physician's bag. Y'all a doctor? That would be correct. I'm Wiggins. You talk funny. It's an accent, my dear boy. Y'all from the London? It's just London. And yes, I am. Thought so. You sound just like Mr. Holmes. You know Sherlock Holmes? I sure do. Sometimes I'll be working for him. And what is it you do? Eh, bit of this, bit of that. Oh, how extremely vague. Can you take me to him? Sure can, but it costs you. <sighs> of course it will. Thanks, Doc. The irregular street boy led me towards the Wisteria Lodge. Well now, what have we got ourselves here? Good day, madam. Huh, I'll be reckoning you'd be another dandy. He's from the London, Mrs. Hudson. It's, it's just London. I'm Dr. John Watson. Pleased to make your acquaintance. Mrs. Hudson, was it? Don't you be forgetting the Mrs. part, even though my Frank ain't here in person like. God rest his soul. His spirit is very much alive. Is Mr. Holmes in? Oh, I'm not sure. He's always up to something. You going up now. Two, two, one, B. Excuse me? That be his room number. Oh, I see. <laughs> Thank you. I walked down the hallway, passing many prostitutes on the landing, or as they are locally known, soiled doves. Hey there, handsome. Are you looking for a good time? The women wore way too much makeup uh, and not enough clothing. When I came to room 221B, a peculiar smell lurked around the door. Come in, Doctor. Mr. Holmes? The smell became stronger as I entered the room. Beneath a pile of books, newspapers and a rather dubious-looking chemistry set was a man that I would later refer to as the greatest mind in the 20th century. Sherlock Holmes emerged from his slumber. Could you pass me that finger on the cabinet, please? Uh, excuse me. For a moment there, I thought you said finger. That is correct. Holmes exhaled from a long pipe. 
The peculiar smell that hit me in the hallway was opium. Come on, I haven't got all day. The finger, if you please. I reluctantly passed him the hard rigor mortis finger. Hmm, interesting. Mr Holmes, I was sent by... What is the average rate of human fingernail growth? Well, it's about 0.1 millimetres per day. It's actually a layer of tissue beneath the base of the nail that produces new cells that push older ones forward, making the nail appear to lengthen from the tip. Uh, but these cells die once the body is dead. Yes. After the heart stops beating, oxygen supply to the brain is cut off. And with no glucose store to rely on, nerve cells die within three to seven minutes. Look at this finger. I'd rather not. I'm not asking you to put a ring on it. Just look. <sighs> OK. What is it I'm looking at exactly? The fingernail, my good man. It's doubled in length since I received it two days ago. That's not possible. You see, death puts a stop to the supply of glucose in the body and therefore to fingernail growth. Glucose. A carbohydrate. Yes, exactly. Carbohydrates. Then why didn't you say that in the first place? Come on. Where are we going? The game is afoot. Holmes led me back out onto the dusty street. Although I had been travelling for the past week, my sense of time and space was disturbed by the eccentric, complex and uncharacteristic manner that is Sherlock Holmes. Mr Holmes? What is it, Watson? How do you know my name? From the name tag on your suitcase. But how did you know I was a doctor? I asked my brother Mycroft to send me a military doctor to help aid me with my work. Yes, that may be so, but you hadn't even seen who it was at your door when you said, Come in, doctor. Your shoes. What about my shoes? They gave you away. They did? The heavy soles on your shoe made a solid sound upon the floorboards with an unmistakable taut leather squeak. These shoes are not local. This type of shoe is hard-wearing, resilient, and the preferred choice for British military men in formal attire. The shoe style could only be a brogue, which is a style of footwear famed to the shoe shop of William Green and Sons in London. That's remarkable. Which part? All of it. You're absolutely right on all accounts. Yes, well, it's just a matter of deduction. How do you do it? Dr Watson, I haven't got the time to explain the high-functioning speed and capacity of my brain, nor do I have the patience to elucidate the slow and inefficient mechanics of your brain. Now follow me. I knew at that very moment my time with Holmes was going to be one of both admiration and tolerance. Just before we entered the sheriff's office, I saw a cowboy across the street dressed in black with a long moustache that grew down the side of his cheeks. He was glaring at us. (laughs) 
Sherlock saw Sheriff Lestrade sleeping with his feet up on his desk, and with no regards for decorum or law enforcement, he immediately proceeded to kick his legs off the table. What in the hell's going on? Where's the local farmer that trades in this town? Now listen here, Mr Holmes. Y'all can't just mosey up in here and kick my feet off the table. Really? Because that's exactly what I just did. Yeah, but it don't make it right. There are many things in this world that are not right, yet I put up with them. So back to my original question. Where is the farmer that trades business in this town? He lives not five miles from here. But you don't know him. Know him? Yes, his name, his face. No, he'd be the new farmer that took over the business from the last one. And when would that be? About three days ago. And when did Wiggins find this unknown human finger? Uh, about three days ago. Hey now, you don't think... No, I don't think anything. I know. Farmers generally have a high percentage of glucose in their blood cells. This is a result of the carbohydrates they produce on their farm in both consumption and in handling. Foods such as bread, vegetables, fruit and milk. This would cause an increase in their glucose, which means not only do their blood cells generate quicker, but they last longer, even after death. It's possible. Everybody's blood cells work at different rates. It's more than possible, it's probable. Might I suggest that you and your deputies take a visit to the farm and search the land? I'm sure you'll find the body of the previous farmer missing a finger. All right. I'll do that as soon as they arrive back from lunch. <sighs> yes, of course. Urgency is never an issue when it comes to murder. Perhaps in the meantime I can address Mr Garrett's request. I turned around to see who Sherlock was addressing. Standing in the corner of the office was the cowboy in black I had seen previously. Sheriff Pat Garrett, what can I do for you, sir? Actually, I'm here to see the British guy. Sherlock Holmes, is it? Sherlock, and this is my assistant, Dr. Watson. What is it I can do for you, Mr. Garrett? Well, now, we got ourselves a situation with a certain outlaw that has so far managed to evade capture. I heard whispers of a British detective that's been solving all kinds of crimes since he came to the West. So I figured maybe we work together. Who's the outlaw you're after? William Bonney, but uh, most folks call him Billy the Kid. What is his crime? Murder. He killed Sheriff William Brady of Lincoln County. Ah, yes. The Lincoln County War. That's right. What's the Lincoln County War? Well, hell, everybody knows about that war. Gotta be no more than three years ago. That's when he became Billy the Kid. Folks in the county refer to him as Lincoln's Gun. Lestrade ain't wrong there. You see, problem being, folks are starting to look up to Billy. Like he's some damn hero fighting against the government. I think you missed the word corrupt. The Lincoln War was the result of a business rivalry between rancher John Tunstall and a pair of Irish tycoons named Dolan and Murphy. Their outfit, known as the House, had long held a monopoly over the dry goods and cattle trade in Lincoln County. Tunstall enlisted Billy and several other gunmen to protect his property, but Tunstall was murdered by a posse organised by Sheriff Brady. Billy swore revenge and killed Sheriff Brady. The gangs then spent the next several months shooting it out in what has come to be known as the Lincoln County War. So, if this Sheriff Brady was known to be corrupt, why is there still a bounty on Billy's head? You can't just go around shooting law enforcement 
without no consequences. Then what's the message? If you have a badge, the law doesn't apply to you? I don't expect a couple of out-of-towners like y'all to know how we do things here. I'm thinking now maybe I made a mistake coming here. I'll take the case. What now? I'll expect 30% of the bounty once it's claimed. All right, but only if y'all's skills actually help bring him in. I'm going to make tracks. I'll be seeing y'all. What county is he the sheriff of? Lincoln County. (laughs) The next morning, I awoke to the crude sounds of a cockerel that is often heard in these dusty desert towns, yet never actually seen. After I'd eaten a most unpleasant breakfast, consisting of something called grits with black dirt-like coffee, I found myself riding alongside Holmes to a place called Bob Hargrove's Saloon in Old Fort Sumner. Holmes, uh, may I ask you a question? If you must. Why did you ask for a military doctor for assistance? My cases here generally revolve around somebody being shot. They don't call it the Wild West for nothing. A military doctor has experienced not only gunshot victims, but the use of a gun as well. You see, Britain is a knife culture. I understand the mechanics of the crime there, but America is very much a gun culture. Something once woven into the fabric of its society will be extremely difficult to change in the future. Couldn't you have hired a doctor from one of the cities here? I don't have the time for this sort of thing, and Mycroft has a talent for finding skilled people that can also put up with my, um, shall we say, eccentricities. So you are aware of your narcissist behaviour? What makes you say that? Oh, your lack of empathy, remorse, a false reality leading you to believe that you're the central figure in the universe, not to mention your hungry ego to prove that everybody is wrong except you. That's because everybody generally is wrong except me. (sighs) I rest my case. Holmes and I walked into the small saloon that was filled with cowboys gambling their livelihoods away while prostitutes drape over them. What can I get you? I suppose tea is out of the question. What you say, boy? Uh, Two coffees will be just fine, thank you. Coffee? (laughs) Don't you all know this here is a bar? What are we doing here, Holmes? We are at the scene of a crime. Looking around here, we're at the scene of many crimes. A year ago, Billy the Kid shot a man named Joe Grant in this very bar. You see, a big part of my work is to see the world from other people's points of view, to gauge how they might have acted or reacted, to be able to reconstruct scenes and find truth. And witness accounts? Of course, it all helps to make up the picture we are painting. So, who do we ask? Billy the Kid is a 21-year-old young man with raging hormones. Who do you think we ask? Ah, yes. I shall speak to that young Mexican painted lady on the stairs. I suggest you speak to her at the end of the bar. Painted lady? That's the local linguistics for a harlot. Understood. Excuse me, madam, could I have a moment of your time? For the right price. 
You can have me all night. How about I pay you for one hour, and you don't even have to remove your garters? I'm listening. Were you present on the night that Joe Grant was shot? I was here. Joe was in his usual drunken estate, waving his gun around, threatening to shoot somebody. So William walks over to him and says, Now hold on, put up your pistol, and let's drink. And that seemed to calm Joe down. Then Billy said, Well, that's a mighty nice sexual you got there. Did Billy handle the gun? Uh, yeah, just for a moment. Then he placed it back into Joe's holster. Uh, go on. Anyway, once Joe found out who Billy was, he started to get put up again and began smashing yeah. bottles and threatening to shoot somebody. William told him to calm down, and as he turned away, Joe pulled out his gun. But I... I think maybe it misfired or something because nothing happened. And then? Then Billy quickly turned around and shot Joe in the face three times. He was dead before his body hit the ground. And what did the local lawmen say about this shooting? They said it was uh, a self-defense on account of Joe drawing first. Hmm. Is any one of the women here, how shall I say this, sweet on Billy? Almost every gal is in love with William. He's young, he's a good dancer, he treats us right, and he has a kind heart. But I think his sweetheart is uh, Paulita Maxwell. Is she here? She's not a working girl. She's the daughter of Pete Maxwell. He owns a ranch just on the borders of Lincoln County. Thank you, Miss... Isadora. We headed out to Pete Maxwell's ranch, but as soon as we got within 20 feet of his ranch... You'll take one more step and I'll shoot you where you stand. What an odd expression. Surely wherever you shoot me, I will inevitably be standing where I stand. Uh, perhaps this is not the time for a lesson in sentence composition. Mr Maxwell, we're here on behalf of Sheriff Pat Garrett. You a lawman? N not exactly, no, but we do work for the sheriff. What do you want? We were hoping we could talk to your daughter about her relationship with Billy the Kid. Polita, there's some men here to talk to you. Mr Maxwell lowered his Winchester rifle and invited us into his ranch. We sat at the table with a thick air of tension in the room. Are you and Billy close? Pretty close. I mean, I found a ring in his pocket, so I reckon it's just a matter of time before he was going to make me his wife. Oh, really? Billy and I talk about riding off into the sunset with a bunch of lawmen chasing us. Just so you all know, I respect Billy and what he stands for. Now... If you'll excuse me, I gotta be fixing dinner. Yes, of course. And judging by the size of that slab of beef, I'm sure it'll be a feast. Just then, two of Mr. Maxwell's Mexican ranch hands entered. Hey, boss, one of your horses looks like it's gonna have to be put to bed. All right, let's get to it. Come on, boys. That evening, 
I witnessed Holmes in his most manic but brilliant state of mind. He had covered his floor with newspaper clippings of Billy the Kid and then, using chalk, he had mapped out locations he had been known to visit. Billy makes a name for himself as a gunslinger after the Lincoln County War. He's a wanted man for the murder of Sheriff Brady, yet his actions that follow are not that of an outlaw. He doesn't rob banks or trains, instead he moves from town to town, enjoying his notoriety, drinking, gambling, and even attending annual barn dance festivals. Now, does that sound like a deadly, out-of-control outlaw? No, it doesn't. The only person he shoots is an aggressive drunk cowboy that was threatening the lives of the customers in the saloon. In self-defence as well. Well, that may be stretching the truth a little. But Isadora said that Joe Grant drew his gun on Billy first, did he not? Indeed, she did. But she also mentioned that early on that evening, Billy had admired Joe's gun. I surmise that Billy takes the pistol from Joe and checks the ammunition it contains. He then purposely moves the gun barrel cylinder so that the next load will be a failure. Then he returns the revolver. So that's why Joe's gun didn't shoot. Rightly so, Watson. Billy then turns his back on him. Now, no cowboy is that confident when guns are in play. So, Billy saves the customers of Ninth Saloon from a volatile man and does so legally in self-defence. Thus adding more heroic narrative to the tales of the notorious Billy the Kid. Yeah, it's a good story. Now, since Billy left Lincoln County, he has not strayed too far. We know he went to Fort Sumner and shot Joe Grant. We know he visited Pete Maxwell's ranch in Stinking Springs. Newspaper reports last year have him in Arizona and northern Mexico, but then more recent sightings have him back here in New Mexico. Never once in his three years has he attempted to leave the West and seek refuge in the northern states, where he would be relatively unknown in appearance by the public. Why does he keep coming back? A sense of familiarity, security, knowing the land. After all, he did grow up in New Mexico. True, although he was born in the Irish slums of New York, his single mother then took him west. Once here, he adapts. He learns Spanish. His mother falls sick and dies of tuberculosis, leaving him an orphan at the age of 14, and before long, he falls into a life of petty crime. He continues to drift from place to place before ending up in Lincoln County, where his desperado years begin. It doesn't make sense. There's no pattern to Billy's movement. He always ends up returning to this state. Like something's keeping him here. Or someone. Just then, a burst of cheers accompanied by piano music filled the silence. The music came from the saloon across the street. No, for goodness sake, how can I expect to get any work done when I have the noise of simpletons ogling over some harlot strutting about the stage. Oh, there's showgirls performing over there. Isn't it obvious from the testosterone fueled cries of joy? Oh, a real live Western showgirl dance, eh? Watson, is there any point to which you would wish to draw my attention? Well, I, I was just saying, might be nice to uh, see a show. In front of you is a long rectangular facade on hinges that allows ingress and egress, so I suggest you use it. You're talking about the door, right? Yes, Watson, I'm talking about the door. Uh, well, it wouldn't be so much fun sitting alone. Come on, then. Let's go. Oh, uh, are we going? Yes, quickly, before I change my mind. We 
entered the saloon to a sea of animated cowboys laughing while gesturing their cups into the air, cheering. Holmes and I sat at the bar as the stage area was out of the question. Oh, it's quite an atmosphere here, wouldn't you say, Holmes? But Holmes did not reply. His eyes were struck upon the showgirl performing on stage. For the first time since I'd met him, he showed a very different emotion, one that was unreadable. He looked stunned, curious, and peaceful, all at once. Pretty lady, wouldn't you say? Women are inscrutable and not worthy of trust. What made you leave London and come out here to the West, anyway? Boredom. Crime in England is repetitive, but here it is unpredictable. Also, the murder rate in the West is much higher. The chance of you being murdered in Dodge City today is about 1 in 796. And what, may I ask, are the statistics of falling in love with a stranger? That would be 1 in 962. So you're saying you have a higher chance of being murdered here than finding love? Do you mind if I join you, gentlemen? Not at all. Can I buy you a drink, Ms? Adler. Irene Adler. And yes, you most certainly can. Whiskey? So what's a pair of refined gentlemen like yourself doing in this part of the world? We're tracking Billy the Kid. Oh, so you're lawmen. Not exactly, no. Tell me, why are you avoiding the mayor of this town? <laughs> Excuse me? Since you sat down, your eyes have glanced in Mayor Milton's direction exactly four times. You also kept a constant peripheral visual on him throughout your entire performance. So what kind of hold does he have over you? Uh, Holmes, the, the lady has politely come over to... He's blackmailing me. Oh, uh, never mind. Carry on. He has pictures of me. Pictures that I'm not exactly proud of, but... Desperate times call for desperate measures. I thought maybe... Sherlock Holmes could help me. But how, how did you know? No, oh, come, Watson. It's not that hard to put together. If you had bothered to look at the poster of her show advertised outside this saloon, it reads the world-famous touring show of The Woman in Scarlet. This means at some point her show was touring London, and during her stay she either saw or heard about my methods. Mayor Charles Augustus Milverton is a very dangerous man. If he gets dirt on you, then he will exploit it to get what he wants. He even pays people to find out secrets. Rumor has it that that's how he became mayor. I need those pictures back, Mr. Holmes. Otherwise, I'll forever be his whore. <gasps> He's coming over. Quickly, do something. Watson, dance with the lady, will you? What? Why, thank you, kind sir. I would love to dance. Wait, uh, what? Mr. Holmes, is it? Yes, but then you already knew that. Sheriff Lestrade tells me I'll track and billet the kid. That's a dangerous business. For him or me? I suppose that depends on who's holding the gun. You're working with Pat Garrett, right? I work only by myself. There's less conflict. Well, if there's anything I can do to help, you be sure to let me know. The next morning, the town was alive with the news of Billy the Kid's capture. Early this morning, Sheriff Pat Garrett had tracked Billy to a cabin in Stinking Springs, and when Billy's ammunition ran out after a long gunfight, he surrendered. 
Garrett placed his prisoner in a boxcar cell on a train bound for Las Vegas for his immediate trial. I watched the drama of reporters swamping Sheriff Garrett from my room window. Then I saw Sherlock climbing out of the top story window of the saloon. My gaze then drifted back down to the activity on the street. Sheriff Pat Garrett entered the mayor's office with a saddlebag over one shoulder. Morning, Watson. Morning. I saw your not-so-inconspicuous exit of the saloon. Might I guess your absence last night is somehow related to Miss Adler and her window? Your assumption would be correct. However, the implication in the tone of your voice would be wrong. Oh, I didn't say anything. I was merely returning Miss Adler's photographs. You broke into the mayor's office last night? Right you are, Watson. Is there any coffee left in the pot? Uh, yes. Obviously you've heard the news of Sheriff Pat Garrett's capture of Billy the Kid. No, of course. So, case closed? No, on the contrary, my dear Watson, the case is very much open. Amongst Mayor Milverton's material of blackmail, I came across this photograph. Hmm, let me see. The photograph depicts Billy playing cards with three men. Do you recognise one of those men? Is that Sheriff Garrett? That it is, only that he was not the Sheriff of Lincoln County at the time this photograph was taken. He only took the badge of lawman at the beginning of this year. So, they were friends? At the very least, acquaintances. I just saw Garrett enter the mayor's office. Just as I suspected, although much sooner than I thought. Look! There he is again, leaving. See? Yes. Might I presume he is lighter in baggage than when he entered? Ah, uh, yes, you're right. He went in holding a saddlebag, but now it's gone. That will be the blackmail money to pay Mayor Milverton for his photograph to remain a secret. After all, you can't have a picture of the sheriff that apprehended the most dangerous outlaw in the West, seen in a photograph, gambling with his enemy. So what do we do now? We wait. For what? <sighs> Watson, have you really learned nothing? Read the papers. Billy has escaped jail more than once, and I'm almost certain he shall do it again. The newspapers had detailed coverage of the trial, with the Las Vegas judge sentencing Billy to be hanged by the neck until, quote, you're dead, dead, dead. To which Billy is said to have laughed and replied, And you can go to hell, hell, hell. <laughs> Then, just as Sherlock had predicted a week before his execution, Billy had managed to escape the Lincoln courthouse and his date with the hangman. Holmes and I had been at the scene of the jailbreak for over an hour when Sheriff Pat Garrett finally showed up. Mr. Holmes, Doc Watson. You got anything? As a matter of fact, I do. This is how the events played out. Billy hit Deputy Bell on the head with his iron cuff, stunning him. He then snatched his revolver and shot him. The deputy then staggered back and fell down the steps and outside into the yard, dead. Now, Deputy Ollinger, for whatever reason, was across the street. He heard the gunshot and ran towards the courthouse, where Billy shot him dead from the window. How do you know it was from the window? Observe the gunshot wound. The bullet entry shows a downward angle of 30 degrees. Now, add the fact that the window above has broken glass. I'd say it's self-evident. Any idea where he might be hidden? Yeah, I believe he's still in Lincoln County. All right, you heard him, boys. Mount up. 
Why did you think he's still here? Because he won't leave without her. And so the story goes. Sheriff Pat Garrett tracked Billy the Kid to Pete Maxwell's ranch. It was late and in the darkness, Sheriff Garrett hid in the shadows of the log cabin. As Billy approached, he noticed the silhouette of one of Garrett's deputies on the porch. Billy drew his pistol and slowly entered Maxwell's darkened bedroom. He spotted Garrett's shadowy outline and called out, Quien es? Who's that? in Spanish. Upon recognising Billy's voice, Sheriff Garrett fired off two rounds in his direction. One bullet struck the 20-year-old in the chest, while the other disappeared into the night. This is the history's tale of how Billy the Kid met his demise. But there is another story. It just doesn't make any sense. Perhaps they lost it. Yes, of course. The most famous outlaw the West has ever seen is killed and some clumsy clerk accidentally loses the coroner's report. Unlikely. These things can happen. Yes, I thought you might say that, which is why I sent a telegram this morning to the San Miguel County Records asking for information on a coroner's report. They replied stating that no coroner's report was ever filed. Hmm. Well, the newspapers seem to be well informed. There's at least three pages dedicated to this incident. No, you see, but you do not observe. Where are the pictures? Not one photograph of America's most famous outlaw. No picture of his body on display in town, which is not only common, but required in most states. No trophy photo of Sheriff Garrett next to his victim. Not even a picture of him in his coffin. But there is a description of Billy in his coffin by a reporter. Yes, I know, Watson. He describes the body as dark-skinned with a beard. Billy the Kid was not dark-skinned, nor did he have a beard. He was 21 years of age. At the very best, his hormones could only muster up a silky fuzz around his chin. Well, there's no use getting angry at me. My anger is not towards you, but to myself. For what? For not being able to see. What you do in the world is a matter of no consequence. The question is, what can you make people believe you have done? And to the eyes of the public, Sheriff Pat Garrett has killed Billy the Kid. But you're saying he didn't? I'm saying that none of the facts of this case add up. I suppose I'll get that, then. Open it. Don't open it. Your actions are of no consequence to me. Oh, Sheriff Garrett. I thought I'd stop by before heading out to Fort Sumner Cemetery to bury the body. Any chance we could accompany you? We're trying to keep this thing from turning into a circus, so no civilians allowed. Nobody goes near the coffin. No one opens up to see what's inside. It's a delicate matter. No, we understand. I just wanted to stop by and thank you all for your help. Well, we're happy to have been some service to you, aren't we, Holmes? Hmm. You take care now. This is absurd. Putting the body in the ground doesn't conclude the case. It raises more questions of how it got there. <sighs> Maybe it's Sheriff Garrett again. Yes. Morning, all. Miss Adler, what a pleasant surprise. Please come in. Oh, I can't stay. I just wanted to thank you for helping me with my, um, situation. <laughs> Perhaps we will see each other again in the future. That I have no doubt. Goodbye, gentlemen. 
Oh, I forgot. Amongst the photos you retrieved from me, I found this here wedding receipt. I guess it's somebody else's blackmail he has here. Maybe you can find its owner. Anyhow, I'll be seeing y'all again. Yes, that would be nice. Goodbye, Sherlock. Seems like a nice young lady. I'm sure someday she'll make some lucky man's handsome wife. Or widow. Well, I think I'm going to make a fresh cup of coffee. That's it. I'm going back to the crime scene. There is something I'm not seeing. Well, wait. Let me get my... No, you stay here. At this point, you're more of a distraction than aid. That evening, the heavens opened and the rain flooded the town streets. I'd just gotten into bed and was about to blow out the candle when... He's alive! What? There is nothing more deceptive than an obvious fact. The reason why we haven't seen any evidence of a body is because there isn't one. When we visited Pete Maxwell at his ranch before Billy's death, I noticed Maxwell had two hired hands, both of Mexican descent. But on this visit, I saw only one hired hand. Perhaps the other guy had a day off. Or perhaps he was accidentally shot, mistaken for somebody else. You think Garrett accidentally shot one of the Mexican helpers instead of Billy? Garrett had the body disposed of very abruptly with no photos or town display. However, one journalist caught a glimpse and wrote his implausible description in the paper. Yes, I remember dark skin with a beard. Exactly, a description fitting of Maxwell's ill-fated Mexican help. In Garrett's story, the man is said to have called out to him in Spanish. Quién es? Who's that, is what he said, but Billy spoke fluent Spanish. True! So here comes a second theory. Maybe Garrett did shoot Billy. Remember he said he shot off two rounds, one hit his target and the other missed. Maybe the second bullet missed because Billy escaped wounded. Okay, so if you're following this train of thought, then who's buried in Fort Sumner ceremony? I believe that to be a slab of beef. I beg your pardon? On our first visit to Maxwell's ranch, you noted the slab of beef hanging in the kitchen. Judging by by the size size of that that slab slab of beef, beef, I'm I'm sure sure it will be a feast. feast. Then I remembered Garrett's explicit instructions. No one one opens opens up to see see what's what's inside. inside. A curious choice of word for the contents of a coffin. He used the word what, not who, is inside. So, you're saying Garrett put a slab of beef in the coffin? Yes. He has to use what is available to him quickly at the crime scene. Now, let's turn our attention to the woman. The very reason why Billy the Kid never strayed too far from Lincoln County. Paulita Maxwell. No. It must be. That's why he went to the ranch. No, Watson. He went to the ranch for two reasons. The first is because Pete Maxwell respected Billy and Billy knew he would hide him. And secondly, because Maxwell's ranch is directly on the border of Lincoln County. He can make a quick crossing over the border, ending Sheriff Garrett's immediate pursuit. Even lawmen have to respect each other's county boundaries. But what about... Paulita and their proposed marriage. Ah, but Paulita didn't directly say they were marrying each other. She assumed. I found a ring in his pocket, so I reckon it's just a matter of time before he was going to make me his wife. But it still implies that they were together. Does it? What do you mean? Paulita was infatuated with Billy, as most of the girls that slept with him often were. 
But Isadora was the only woman to refer to Billy as William, his true name, a sign of affection. She unconsciously alternated between William and Billy during her story, but it was one of the last things that she said that stood out. Almost every gal is in love with William. He's young, he's a good dancer, he treats us right. She said he treats us right, meaning her. She directed me away from her and towards Maxwell's ranch, knowing that her information would ring true to Billy's movements and not raise any further questions. All right, so let's say Isadora is Billy's love interest. Where would they go now? To Las Vegas to be married. The wedding receipt. Precisely. Mayor Milverton has secrets and information on everyone and he knew about Billy and Isadora's relationship. So much so, he even managed to secure their wedding receipt. It says John Miller to marry Isadora Baudry. You think this John Miller could be Billy? It's elementary, my dear Watson. The next morning, Holmes and I saddled our horses bound for Las Vegas. (laughs) Howdy, gentlemen. Ah, Sheriff Lestrade. Did you find out about the missing farmer? I sure did. Mr. Holmes was right. That man had killed the farmer and buried him under the barn. What's all the commotion about over there? That would be Mayor Milverton. He was killed last night. Ah, but of course. No materials of blackmail, no protection. Yes, but who has done the deed? Take your pick. A woman scorned or a sheriff covering his tracks. Well, if you're excuse me, gentlemen, i got to be heading out of Pete Maxwell's ranch. Somebody stole one of his cattle a few nights back. Uh, uh, seven. Yeah, that's right, seven cows. Anyways, safe trip. It was a day's ride to Las Vegas, and we arrived at nightfall. The town was basic in design, with one very humble wedding chapel. We sat at the back of the chapel, watching the ceremony unfold. I could hardly see the bride and groom. It was as if they'd made a conscious effort to conceal their faces. The bride with her veil, and the groom with his dipped hat. Holmes just sat quietly grinning to himself as he smoked his pipe. The groom looks unsteady. Weak is the word you are looking for. Yes, perhaps he's got a fever. Or wounded. We watched as the couple disappeared into the desert amongst the stars. Do you really think it's them? Holmes did not answer. I hear that Sheriff Garrett is writing a book, The Authentic Life of Billy the Kid. Not surprising. Garrett will look to solidify his legacy while seeking to profit from it. I suspect so. Still, look at those two, happy in love. It's an ever-changing world out there, and from the looks of things, they have a pretty good start in life. Fully loaded wagon and some cows. Seven cows, to be precise. 